Hello and Happy New Year. This is Shannon Betts here. Mary and I have a lovely treat in store for you. A guest and longtime listener, Maria Halkias, joined us to share how our online reading instruction has been going. We've discussed parent engagement, teaching challenges, and helpful resources. We also went deep and talked about building a community of inquiry, even when the classroom looks and feels different from normal. Listen and enjoy. As always, we'd love for you to share your thoughts with us through email at readingteacherslounge at gmail.com or through our social media channels. Here's the interview. Hi, welcome to the Reading Teachers Lounge. Hi, everyone. Welcome. We have a special guest today. Hi, how are you? My name is Maria Halkius. Um, I'm a reading specialist in New Jersey. And I'm so excited to talk to the both of you. I think I've said that so many times. I feel like you are like celebrities in my world of reading. <laughs> so sweet. Maria, we're I think so we're going to learn more um, from you than you're going to learn from us today. <laughs> yeah. No, Maria um, reached out to us and she is a listener, but she has some really valuable insights and she is going to bring a lot to the conversation today on the Reading Teachers Lounge. So today um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, how distance learning um, is changing the reading instruction and what that sort of means. And it's very timely, obviously. We're recording this um, in November 2020, so we are um, right in the middle of the pandemic. Hopefully we're at the tail end of the pandemic, but um, we're, we're still in the thick of it nonetheless. So virtual learning is a reality for many of our listeners worldwide, and um, virtual learning is impacting all teachers as they're training or if they're in the middle of their career or at the um, towards the end of their career. We're all kind of figuring out the landscape of this new teaching pedagogy. So um, Maria, will you introduce yourself a little bit? Absolutely. Um, thank you again for having me um, on today. Um, I have been teaching for a little over 18 years now. Um, I started out in um, a private school setting as a kindergarten teacher and slowly evolved to working as a first grade teacher um, where I have worked in a public school and then, um, you know, worked there for a number of years and then I had my kids and stayed home for a little while and then actually became a director of a private um, preschool in the town that I live in and, um, you know, taught me more of the business side of, of, um, of education. and then. Um, I went back to an independent school where I worked in, it's a specialized school and I work with students who have dyslexia and I worked there for about four years, um, almost five. And um, it really connected me to working with that specific population. And I decided, you know, I really want to become a reading specialist. I thought about it in first grade because I felt like when I was a kindergarten, first grade teacher, that's all I did. It was about reading. And I remember thinking, I want to be a reading specialist. And then here, you know, I am a few years ago, decided I wanted to do that. And um, I, you know, got my specialization and I became an adjunct at a university here in, in New Jersey and was doing some work with graduate students who wanted to work in the field of early childhood. <laughs> so, um, but now I'm back to a public school and I teach kindergarten students remotely. 
So Ooh, I let's feel like all I give a, a hand clap here because that is the job of the year. You should be tripling your salary this year. <laughs> As a parent, the only kindergartner, thing, I'm willing to say that for sure. Yeah, the only thing scarier than like 20 kindergartners staring at you in person <laughs> is 20 kindergartners staring at you on Zoom. Anything <laughs> to be entertaining. Well, I remember, and actually, I'm starting uh, to top that all off. I'm actually starting in a new school. Wow, <laughs> teaching remotely. So yeah, I added that, you know, and and yes, I when they told me we want you to teach remotely kindergarten, I was like, Oh my no, I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not sure, even though I have over 18 years experience. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm and it's funny, I'd rather teach, you know, graduate students in some way because I was, you know, thinking it's gonna be remote. How am I gonna do that? What I was panicking. Um What's the schedule going to look like? Well, are I'm sure our listeners are thinking the same thing. And I'm actually glad we're talking to you in November because you've got some months under your belt. So, mm -hmm. I mean, what's been the biggest challenge? Um, just well, you know, um, ironically, as a professor, I had taught family engagement. And I think that's really at the, at the forefront when we look at this is how do we engage you know, parents, how do we get them involved? I mean, I'm sure they didn't sign up to be another teacher. Mm -hmm. um, but really, they are, um, you know, they are your partners. And if if you don't inform them of what's going on in your classroom, um, you're not going to succeed. <laughs> so Especially are you having to communicate a lot? Yes, you know. How are you um, doing communication? So, um we uh, actually just had a workshop recently, and the workshop was like no other workshop I've ever done before. <laughs> and it was really just me telling parents everything they needed to know to be a teacher at home. <laughs> wow. And what does that look like? And I really just preface it by saying, you know, I'm jealous of you guys. I really am because you get to do everything I want to do <laughs> that I have done in all these years, yes. you know. The hands-on, you know, the really the multi-sensory activities that I can't do online. So, so I, I really just started off um, just letting them know how I appreciated them. Um, and I'm very fortunate that I have, a, you know, a group of families that have chosen the remote instruction um, mm -hmm. that in our district you had you could choose to do that. And um, so I think I'm lucky in that way because they are completely – um, you know, involved in their child's education. And I don't think, you know, if you don't have that support, I don't think you're really going to be able to be successful and you're going to have a lot of issues, um, especially with, um, you know, the online world, you know, getting yeah. in Zoom, getting off of Zoom, Google, Meet, whatever you use, you know, it's Google Meet or, you know, who would have thought two years ago, I would have said that it would have been impossible to teach a child uh, in it's kindergarten. <laughs> Um, Maria, I have to commend you because I love that the first thing we're talking about is the parent engagement because I think that is what, I mean, we, we talked often about how kids are struggling to wear masks, but I think the real struggle is that adults struggle to wear masks and then they assume that kids are going to struggle to wear masks, yes. you know, it's yes. kind of that roundabout conversation again. And it's the same, there are some children who are really thriving in this virtual learning environment, some mm -hmm 
and I think that some parents are just doing the best they can in the virtual mm -hmm. environment and some kids mm -hmm. are not doing as well. Um, mm -hmm. I find myself facilitating a lot and I also hear from parents often too that they didn't sign up to be a teacher and I think you have to take off your teacher hat or put on your teacher hat at some times and say okay I'm not mommy right now I am the teacher who's trying to help you get through this lesson or let's break this up just the way your teacher would and kind of facilitate it in that way um, because mm -hmm. it is hard to be all of the things and I just want to commend parents in general especially during oh, yeah. this time because wearing your mommy hat and being the soft place to fall or being you know a single dad and being the soft place for your kids to fall in the disciplinarian and just trying to manage life is hard right now it, oh. for a lot of people in a lot of different situations and so um, yeah I think that the communication piece is so key I think at mm -hmm. the beginning of the year I remember a lot of parents were um, so confused about the kindergarten writing process and like what are we supposed to do mm -hmm. and our our teacher actually sent out a whole video about the Lucy Calkins program that they were using mm -hmm. and how Writers mm -hmm. Workshop actually works and it's okay that mm -hmm. they don't spell things correctly at first mm -hmm. and this is part of the process and to trust the process. Um, but educating parents is another hat that teachers are wearing right now. It's kind of impressive. So I do commend you for the communication and as a parent I am really grateful for all the communication that I'm receiving too from the teacher. So. Yeah, I think it's a, an awakening in some ways for parents to really see what goes on in a classroom and to see yeah. their child's development. And I will say not only is communication important, you know, between a teacher and a parent, but also to have them um, take a step back and let us, like you said, yep. be part of the process because it's not about getting reading every single word or writing every single letter it's about seeing where your child is at in that moment yes and i think a lot of parents are so anxious and rightfully so there's so many things going on and i think their education is at the forefront of that and i do feel like many parents feel like if i don't push them then everything else is going to be more chaotic and i don't think they need to push them i think they just need to let it happen and um um that's something that was part of the workshop is like this is what I show them pictures of what kindergarten age students writing should look like. You know, what does it mean to read at this level? Like, what does it really look like? And how are we even, how do they answer the questions? What does comprehension look like? And I didn't want to overload them. And so it gives me an opportunity to talk parent to parent because I'm a parent. I want to know what right. it, you know, I want to hear what is going on. So absolutely. I think that, that, the number one thing, especially in early childhood, is to have that parent support. If you don't have it, I don't think you're really going to have a successful program. I, I think that that's actually true. It's hard, though, like not to underestimate the point, but I think just clear, concise communication that's consistent and easy to find mm -hmm. is your best bet. Just, sure. You know, just helping parents kind of navigate the way. Um, right. Uh, so what do you think are some... Um, challenges being a teacher in your position aside from the communication piece like that's that something strong what are you um, what do you feel about like your own personal challenges with this or how has it changed your teaching well that's so interesting because I feel like this is a year where 
you, everyone is a new teacher. I think you might've heard that before. Everyone is a new teacher. And I had said earlier when we were talking um, that you need to be more reflective. You need to decide how did I do this in the classroom and rethink what does that look like online? And everything that I think is possible online um, I've tried so far, you know, with all the resources and there's so many, I mean, we're really so lucky. There is absolutely an enormous amount of websites devoted to uh, reading for um, kindergarten students. So in that way, you have to pick and choose which ones make the most sense, which ones you are more comfortable with, what will it look like for you in the classroom and how comfortable you are with technology? What, which, which of these resources are really going to work for you? Um, but yeah, so I feel like the biggest challenge obviously is time. Yeah. I would time, agree. time, time. Is it and planning time or time with the students? I think both. Yeah. I think both because really I wish I had more time with them. Um, I actually am in a situation where we still have, Uh, the program in person is kindergarten half days. So many um, kindergarten programs across the nation has full day programming. Yeah. And so I was surprised in that, but I, I, I think um, it doesn't really impact us online um, in terms of, um, you know, an actual schedule synchronously um, because I, try to create a schedule where they have frequent breaks and I kind of think it is good for them to have a half day schedule um, online. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, so I, I want to have more one-on-one time mm. that I think is really possible to do online. If, if we can rethink what that would look like if I had the ability just to make my own schedule without the <laughs> administration um, telling me what I needed to, you know, have in terms of hours. Um, but yeah, I think that I would like more time to work with other teachers to see what they're doing, um, more time mm-hmm. to figure out, um, you know, where it doesn't really cross over to my home life. Yes. So I do feel like I spend a lot more time online just at varying points, you know, varying points throughout the day. Um, yep. But yeah, time is essential. Well, uh, it's interesting too, because if you are teaching in the classroom pre-pandemic, um, you would carve out little bits of time, you know, mm-hmm. you're standing in line and the kids are waiting to use the restroom and you take right. that opportunity to review stuff or, so you've condensed so much of it. Um, I find that, and, before we got on, we were sort of chatting about this, about especially kindergartners, maintaining the connection online is really difficult because they become really passive in my mm-hmm. observations. And and that's mm-hmm. not just kindergartners, but elementary students in general can mm-hmm. become really passive. And it's not their turn to speak yet or they're on mute. So they are thinking about anything else at that moment. Mm-hmm. And I know that some kids can pop right up and answer the question right away, but you still don't sure. know if they're actually taking advantage of those practice turns. So. And actually that uh, Mary really has to, um, you know, it really involves my work that I've been doing at the university. I did an independent study and I've been researching um, online education, not specific to reading, but you know, what has um, been researched um, as successful 
online programming. And what I did find was this idea of the community of inquiry by um, R.D. Garrison. And he kind of coined that term. And um, it's a theoretical framework for successful, and I say this, um, asynchronous learning, because I think that there hasn't been enough research with synchronous learning, which as you know, means what we're doing now where we have live instruction. And he really um, delved into this idea and this notion that, that in the field of online learning, there are three components that are critical. The teacher presence, social presence, and cognitive presence. So these three um, elements are, are crucial. Yeah. And I um, have been trying to apply some of those social learning um, theories to online learning um, yeah. because I think that I think that's the key um, to how you can approach online learning with early childhood um, you know specifically what we do um, in first kindergarten first grade is making that connection um, and you were just talking about that, Mary, like, yeah. are they really engaged with what I'm doing? And I think you have to establish that from the beginning. If you don't have their engagement, they're not going to be motivated to do anything with you. And that's where the teacher, you know, teacher presence comes in. Um, and the teacher presence um, includes your own knowledge base. Like, what is right. your district's... Um, curriculum, knowing that curriculum and being able to figure out how to put that online. Um, and it also includes like the explicit instruction that you guys have talked so much about in your previous episodes. Right. Find yeah. You have to be a master of the skill because you kind of don't have time to learn to learn the content when you're trying to learn no. everything else or the, the fluency of technology because, I, you know, a friend of mine actually related it to, it's almost like if you are not fluent in technology, it's like teaching in a foreign language almost <laughs> because you're really trying to just navigate the cultural changes of this new platform and mm -hmm. how to, um, you know, break it all down, figure out how to make it work for you. It's really exactly. interesting. I just, th I just can't imagine. I mean, I, like I told you, I've been teaching for many years um, in different settings with different students. And I can't imagine what it would be like if I didn't have that experience before I went online. Like if you were new, if you were a new teacher, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't imagine. But um, that teacher presence, I think is so important because um, you have to know the strategies before you can really teach it online. If you don't know the strategies, then I think it's going to be even more difficult. But that social presence that I was telling you about, I think mm -hmm. that's part of really um, what you had mentioned in the previous episode um, about multicultural literacy and that the sliding doors and the mirrors. And that's your opportunity during that social presence to really build the connections with your students and finding out what is the most um, relevant for them, for that particular group. And I might, I don't know the answers to kindergartens across the nation. I know in my classroom, I'm, I have a very diverse group of kids. Mm -hmm. And so the only way I can think about making those social connections is to relate their own um, you know, their own life and what their, you know, their traditions and their, um, what they see reflected in their own cultures, you know. So um, uh, I think that's part of that social presence. And then that cognitive pres presence is what I think um, is that feedback, you know, do the kids, yeah. are they learning? 
Are we and providing? how do you know? What does it yeah. look like when they're yeah, learning? You've got to constantly assess to really mm. see, are they getting what you're presenting? And, right. And to, right. And to like scroll back around and say that te like teacher assessments don't mean paper, pencil all the time, mm. or even a test on the computer or a snapshot of what they've done, but it's really like watching them color or them develop an idea through writing, developing an idea through reading a book, or mm. even when you're watching a student who's opening a book for the first time, are they automatically jumping to decode the words yet, or are they a person who really takes in the pictures? Are they giving themselves a really big pause? Mm -hmm. I think that once you see those types of traits in students, you know how to approach them. And that's right. so difficult when you're online and you're not able to see that oh. sort of approach. So I hear so many yeah. teachers say, I can't wait to be in person with my kids so I can know them and yeah. and know them with their um you know their traits and their their phys their um actions. Yes. No, I mean I mean that's another big challenge um you know is that evaluation piece because online there's so many there's technical issues are they I don't know if I can hear them um, you know is it are they really saying the word do they really know the sound like it's hard because you can't observe them like you said yeah. um, face to face so you're gonna have to see them online and I don't know I don't know if there's research enough to say that you know what what we're seeing online is valid are there people in the background are they are they in a quiet area or um, are the parents giving answers I mean there's so many questions about um, validity um, oh. and uh, I actually in our state we just found out that um, they are going to try to do standardized testing in the spring so that oh, wow. should be an interesting um, you know that should be an interesting yeah. piece so I don't know I wish I had the answers already to that because um, there's going to really be a lot of interesting information to find out from the data and and find out what the data actually even means are they going to um, put like a pass fail um, component to it or they haven't decided? They haven't really released and, and of course things yeah. could change you know right. we don't know what will happen in the springtime um, but yeah they, they they're planning on doing that and I don't know what that will look like for those um, struggling readers um, right. I don't know what it look like for you know special ed students right um, because despite how I talk about it's I feel like I'm being successful I know that it it's not working for every student. I know that most of my students, um, let's say what you said, the ladder of... Um, um, the, the ladder of reading? Yeah, the ladder of reading. I yeah. know that no matter what I do, this is probably not the best, um, you know, environment for their, for them, for them, you know, yeah. I mean. So the kids that need that explicit, systematic yes, um, instruction. I absolutely totally yeah. And they don't have access to as many hands-on things because no. you're not doing centers and no. you don't have all the manipulatives that we normally have in the school. Absolutely. Well, I, this is just an observation of mine too, but I've noticed that some kids will close, like I feel like they'll attend, they'll pay attention, but when they close the computer, that connection to the real life and the virtual learning is just not quite there. Like they might have learned how to do some of the reading or learned some of the concepts, but applying it in real life, you know, is sometimes difficult outside of the classroom. But in mm -hmm. this case, when you're applying it um, on the computer and then you apply it in real life, like when we talk about the asynchronous learning and mm -hmm. how, you know, you close the computer down and you do your work independently to show what you know, 
that is so variable kid to kid. Yeah. And I was thinking, I know some kids who are doing so well. And Maria, right. we were chatting about this before. Yeah. It's wild. So I have some boys who um, were really struggling in the school setting and really needed a lot of support, especially kids with uh, on the autism spectrum and um, mm-hmm. kids with ADHD. I noticed that those children who really need a lot of specific feedback, mm-hmm. um, they are doing really well in a remote setting. Yes. Specifically boys too. Yes. And I have no research to back this up, just some yes. anecdotal observations. And but I've had a lot more girls come to me and the parents are saying that the girls are struggling so much in a virtual setting because they're craving the social structure of the classroom. Mm-hmm. Isn't that I, wild? I know. We had mentioned that earlier and I said that is so funny because I see the same thing um, that the girls that I have in my class who maybe in person would probably be doing, you know, so, so well are really struggling because they don't have that social piece. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and it's interesting to tie that back in with the community of inquiry. It's, it's that social piece, that social learning um, that is so key to connecting to what um, they're learning. So I, I do. I really find it fascinating that it seems like the boys that you wouldn't normally suspect would do well remotely because they might be struggling or do so well. And I don't know what that is. I wish that that's another area that we need to try to figure out. And I asked, like yeah. I had, um, I have some middle schoolers at my private school, you know, and like we had one boy, I mean, he was not, he was about to not graduate. I mean, we were meeting together. I'm the guidance counselor and we were meeting in February right before the pandemic happened, I'm like, oh my gosh, are we going to get your graduation in May? You know? And then he soared during online learning. And I mean, I was, I called him and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, I love it. He's like, I can listen (laughs) to my music. He's like, I can decide, you know, what am I in the mood for to do my math first or my ELA first or my social studies. And I get the whole assignments at the beginning of the week and I can pace myself and know what I need to do. And I can take breaks when I need to. Mm-hmm. he adored it. Yeah. So I think it's, it's an individual, you know, the accountability, yeah. which is because if you had asked me, and I think I mentioned this before with kindergarten students, if you had asked me two years ago, could you teach kindergarten online? But there are yeah. definitely kindergarten students that have more um, accountability who are able to be more self-aware yep. about their own learning about, you know, their own engagement. And um, I mean, developmentally, you wouldn't say typically that a kindergarten student has those skills, but, um, but maybe some are just natural at that. And I think that's part of that research. Cause I know we had talked like, where are we going to go after this is all done? What is education going to look like? I think that's the big question in all of yeah. it. And even though I, when I taught kindergarten, I used to often say to parents, 50% of the teaching and learning that your child's going to experience this year is social. They're Mm -hmm. learning how to behave in school. They're learning how to um, sit quietly. They're learning to take turns. They're learning to behave in a group of 20 kids. Um, And a lot of times, you know, it's, it's a very different setting because they're so used to playing and Mm -hmm. it's not playtime anymore. And so, you know, if you've got a good organized kindergarten teacher, then you're really making a lot of progress and they've got those kids kind of whipped into shape and then so much academic progress happens throughout the school year. I would say Mm -hmm. that is like kind of the secret to really good kindergarten teacher. That's what they do. Right, right, right. But in this environment, it's just so different. 
so mm. different. And I miss, like, one of the things that I keep missing from my daughter personally is just the social construct mm -hmm. of it all. She is lucky enough to go to a pod in the afternoon, so I'm working with her um, and doing virtual schooling and just facilitating in the morning. But then she goes to um, a a teacher and some groups of kids in the neighborhood who are having lunch and having some recess time because I need her to work out her issues with those mm -hmm. kids yeah. in that sense. And yeah. the first day it was so funny The pod teacher said, oh, you know, we were talking a little bit about how everyone gets to take turns being in charge and how it's hard to share being in charge. And um, she kind of looked at me like, okay, so you know that this is what we're talking about. And I looked at her and I said, I'm so glad you understand why she's here now. <laughs> she looked at me and she goes, oh, I got you. No problem now. I got you. But I think that's the other part is that you put so much trust in the teacher to mm. teach those social skills. And now parents are still responsible for it. Walking that fine line is a it's new territory for us all. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the you know, social, social, emotional learning, growth mindset, you probably hear these terms thrown around. I mean, I, and I think that's where online learning can be helpful, because you can teach those strategies about feeling, you know, what, what are you feeling like today? And in a way that you never maybe have in a classroom setting in person, yeah. because you are looking, they're looking at you and you're looking at them like you in such a way that you don't normally do in That's a classroom. True. So, so, Yes, I mean, I think that that's the one real downside to online learning is that social piece that you get, that interaction you get with other students. Yes. Um, but definitely that, you know, the teacher can still teach these social skills um, and impart like that growth mindset, like that you can do this. Yeah. But, but yes, I mean, that, that is where, you know, the future of online education, that's where where I don't know how you could do that. I mean, I don't know if that's, that's even I, possible. I think that it, it's really going to come down to, I think there needs to be more teacher training on that asynchronous piece because mm -hmm. to me, that's where like that, um, that cognitive presence maybe is missing is that yep. we need to have more project-based learning. And like, I wasn't trained a whole lot as a teacher on that, but that's mm -hmm. really Right now, what our asynchronous learning looks like is just, okay, do an online learning yes. program, do right. printed worksheets that we've been mailed mm -hmm. at our house or emailed to the parents. And that's real, or it's a missed opportunity because that could be a time when the students do a lot more like hands-on project-based learning mm -hmm. that would Absolutely. apply the things that they've learned when they are synchronous and on screen with the teacher and that they've learned. Right. Like I had, we had one teacher, we have a really gifted um, teacher in our um, primary grades at my school that in the spring, she did a ton of project-based learning and she was not really project-based in present in the classroom, but she ended up when we switched to online learning kind of, you know, spur of the moment in the spring, she used Dojo as her platform, which is similar to Seesaw that you were saying you use. Mm -hmm. And she just immediately transferred everything to, to project-based, you know, so she, 
she, um, when she assigned the reading for the week, she did running records on every single student and she taught them how to record themselves reading. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Shannon, I know my kids better online than I ever did in person, but it was because of the types of assignments that she used or like for math, um, they were learning 3d shapes and she had every student go find 3d shapes in their home and they had to arrange them and take a photograph. And that one photograph showed you and they had to label them. And that one photograph was a really creative opportunity for the students to show what they knew. Yeah. And so if we can do more of that in that asynchronous mm-hmm. time, I yeah. think that that, that would be the future of all this blend up learning. Oh yeah. And I see exactly what you're saying because, you know, um, I feel that depending on what platform you use, the seesaw mm-hmm. really can capture that really peel back the layers, you know, as a teacher, what can work? What, you know, like rethinking that yes. asynchronous instruction, what can work? What will get them really engaged at home when I'm not with them? Okay. And I know that that seesaw platform community mm-hmm. has a lot of shared resources. And yeah. I know I just did this unit with, um, you know, forces in motion. And uh, the kids were taking pictures all over the house of things that they pushed and things that they pulled. And it looked like they were, so I had like tons of pictures and videos of kids. Um, But you know, you're right, Shannon, because you have to figure out taking it all back. Like what, how do I teach kids to be more accountable? How do I teach kids to like take ownership of that that experience and that is something I feel like a lot of times I go two steps forward and then I go two steps back because I'm thinking oh what did I need to teach them before what think aloud strategies or critical thinking right we need to know the objectives right what what do they know what do they want what do we want the show to learn right right exactly and and sometimes you just it's you know I like I said I had told you guys before I wish I had all the answers but I don't and sometimes um I think it's exciting as a teacher when I, because I identify myself always as a teacher, I'm like, what am I doing with these kids? What I need to really reflect. I mean, is this working? And I think that's all you can do right now is to just continuously so reflect on like what is actually working and try to push forward. And and I think, you know, part of that um, going back and circling back to that community of inquiry and that cognitive yeah. presence is that feedback that you have with your kids and asking them and really listening and did you understand what we just talked about can you put it in your own words what we just said you know I I love that part because sometimes I'm I'm so excited because it actually they actually got it yay you know and and other times I'm thinking wow I really need to revisit that whole skill and um, I really truly believe that I think it's possible I really do to teach online synchronously live with kids whether or not it's going to look the same as it does now um, when people are forced to because I know that some parents are not happy with this kind of instruction so um, if you have parents on board it opens so many doors to so much more um, well I think that the parents are going to have to have they need support from their jobs too, which I think everybody's proven that people can work from home now. And so maybe flexible schedules will be more of a thing in our culture and yeah. our society in the future. And so then the parents can have that more flexibility to be partners in education with their children. Yeah. It's like um, the idea of homeschooling, right? That exactly. idea that, that, yeah, that it can, that this, and some parents like that. So, I mean, it is possible. Maybe there'll be a separate division in schools that are completely devoted to well, that's like that what I remote. keep thinking I think that parents are and and not all parents are able to do all of this but 
all parents know their children and you mm -hmm. have now an opportunity to have more insight as to what kind of a learner your child is and more um, opportunities to notice how your child learns best. And I think that parents have always been able to do that, some to other degree, you know, better degrees than others. But I think it's really fascinating how, um, you know, if your child is really doing well with online learning, how can you make the most of that? If you know that your teacher or your child really needs some more social support, how can you make the most of that? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we need to just kind of capitalize on some of these things. And there are some kids that are in between, just like we have in our classrooms too, who are doing mm -hmm. just fine. And that's okay mm -hmm. too. So um, I think it's just a, it's a time for us to reflect and ask lots of questions. And I think sure. that's sort of the purpose of this episode is just to kind of like, let's air it out there. Let's talk about some of the things that are working and let's talk about some of the things that are difficult. Mm -hmm. And then let's talk about, you know, what are some ways that we can uh, start reflecting some more to move the needle forward? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, Maria, I want to yeah. circle back because you had said at the beginning that you've been a reflective practitioner and that you've really at the beginning started kind of going through what resources you were available, you were more familiar with and you tried out different things at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Before we end, I do want to hear which ones have been the most successful for you um, in terms of literacy, because I know our listeners are going to know that. Sure. Like From, what specific things are you using? So I think for, like I said, for synchronous instruction, having video conferencing you need to have one that works well so okay. we be, beyond that with the technology that that is something that needs to get to develop and that that i think that's a that's a different that's a different question it's a different i'm uh, not question but i mean it's just a different area we can improve video conference calling and make it better so we can hear better i can hear my students better they can hear me um but we use zoom um but i I know that many schools use the Google for Education, which is, you know, a free um, service, a free platform for many, for many students. And so that issue of equity always, you know, yeah. you want to have the same access to every, um, you know, resource for every student. I think there has to be that, mm -hmm. at least with Google, for Google for Education, I think at least you know that they all have access to the same resource. Whereas yeah. Zoom, I don't think you would necessarily have that. It has to be district by district or right. private school by private school. And then I think next would be um, Google for Education really has topped off. Um, you know, they're really in it. And I think when I think of like Khan Academy and I think they're partnering with um, uh, Google to create um, – uh, ways for students, parents, and teachers to come together and create a community online. Um, I th and I think they're probably going to push that button forward. But I have think you, you seen need to Pear have Deck? a platform. I do. You know, I haven't used it. It doesn't. You it's know, pretty we don't cool. Use, <laughs> yeah, Pear Deck is because great. It goes. It goes. It works seamless with Google. And so yes. it makes the slides like you could be on a Zoom and you yes. could be doing a presentation. Yes. And then they can interact and send out the answer. Uh, and then you get the data in real time. Yeah, cool. Google, Google. I just don't think you can beat it with the Google Slides. I mean, presentations. Um, Seesaw, I had said earlier, is excellent. And I yeah. hadn't had experience until now using that because I primarily, primarily use Google Classroom. But I don't think Google Classroom is something that 
kindergarten students can really manipulate and organize, come, you know, organize it's the mouse skills. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so, um, and just like the reading resources, like Kids A to Z, which are things that you use in in an in person model but big universe scholastic has really stepped up i think in terms of that and epic get epic um i think the you know having books online and especially free books mm -hmm. um and i also told parents podcasts are great uh -huh. um the audio component to it um but i know this is probably a separate issue but like online reading is where you know this is probably going to be a big thing going forward but um there is a lot of um skills that we haven't really addressed with online reading that I the online literacy skills that yeah. we really need to teach our yeah. children yeah 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 i mean it's not at the kindergarten level because really we're working with decoding and encoding and those kind of skills but i think with um you know comprehension and uh, resources finding out for um that for that digital piece yep. i think that's going to be crucial going forward for upper elementary to middle school and high school. But, um, but yeah, um, I use big universe epic, like I said, seesaw, um, kids A to Z. These are all great resources. And then Google slides, cause you can do, um, so much with Google slides and just terms of animation and presentation to motivate your kids to get them engaged. And there's and, a lot already available online too, that you can kind of, oh, absolutely. Right? teachers so pay helpful. teachers is great. And boom learning. Yes. I don't know if you've tried Boom Games. On, Shannon's on Boom Learning. I make That's Boom right. Games. I love it. Oh, yep. so much fun. And um, Wordwall Net, uh, Word Net, I think that's correct. Uh, they um, are they have like um lots of interactive games like uh like the you can make a spin the wheel with your sight words if you want your stat words or flashcards. you can make decks of cards on there you can make open the box or um so many different games that are interactive with um all the bells and whistles that you would you want want as a teacher and i'm sure there's going to be much more and i wish i had all the time to figure out you know what other resources I can can use but I slowly um, I think as a teacher um, and as a parent this is something I had said in the beginning of my school year that um, I think you have to take it one step at a time learn a you resource yeah you don't want to throw yep. them all at them and yeah. then because you yes. wouldn't do that in the classroom either you know you want to yeah yeah and it's overwhelming yeah it's overwhelming for parents to you know what this other website right. wait what what are you talking about you know and I think that becomes just like, you know, um, just background if you don't give Correct. parents time to learn it. So, yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that I'll have enough, um, you know, time as we go through the year to investigate so many other um, reading uh, websites because I know there's a lot more that I haven't had time to really get into. Um, do you guys use something else? Maybe you can tell me. <laughs> I um I think what I am most curious is like taking this kind of wide view and like looking at all of the ways, but I, I'm really curious to see how kids are learning. So I keep kind of trying to notice like, hmm, what makes a learner, you know, somebody who does really well virtually? What are those traits that they have? Do they have some really strong executive functioning skills? Mm -hmm. um, and what are the skills that need to be taught for kids to be more successful online? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's, so for me personally, I haven't used specific programs. I'm always kind of like keeping my ear to the ground and investigating a few. Um, 
our teachers have done a really phenomenal job. So I'm trying not to wear my teacher hat right now, but more as like my advocate hat mm -hmm. and trying to just you know, how can I best support teachers in this way? So if you see a student with these attributes, how can we get them, you know, kind of to pay attention and things like that? I don't have all of the answers yet, but mm -hmm. um, I think that starting this conversation brings about a lot of questions for all of us as educators that we need to start to investigate a little bit more. So that's sort of where this conversation has taken me. Mm -hmm. um, no, I, I really... Um, like I said, this conversation is also part of my reflection. Like when you, when you guys are asking me questions about what has really worked, what are the challenges? Um, I don't, I don't necessarily, like I said, know all the answers, but I, I think back on even just today, what did I do today that really worked, you know? Um, and <laughs> what's today? The answer is, you know, um, but he, you I actually, today, today, right? yeah, actually today, you know, I was trying to figure out um how i can get the students to to take these movement breaks you know these brain breaks so um it's actually this thing called i don't know if you know jolly jump up oh i don't know that no. one yeah so i'm writing it down though. Uh, jolly jump <laughs> jump up is um it's part of that uh i think that morning meeting um routines that you can normally do in person where you can have um flashcards and then you know if they get the answer right they 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 call out answers and then they jump up if they see jolly jump up and um oh, it's almost cute. that it's almost that um you know those games where you you have kaboom which those those type of games but mm -hmm. instead it's like the reverse where you when you see the car to jolly jump up then you can jump up and i like the idea cool. of having them move and now it's just evolved to like i just throw on everything that in on my google slides that we've been learning it could be numbers one through 20 it could be a snap word it could be um you know a question about um shape this. or path and then they get it on the slide and then when jolly jump up comes up or i now added slowly sit down they oh. do those movement activities so they're standing and then it just i it's the only time i let them unmute themselves um, and um, just call out these answers, what they know, and they don't care what the other kids know. They're they're like twelve. I don't know. Yeah, they're all <laughs> engaged. I love yeah, their voices there. All, they want to be heard. Yeah, of they want to be heard. It's the opportunity for them to just call out the answers and act like they're, um, you know, their age. Really, you know, that they, they want to call out. Right. They want to. They. I feel like that's the other thing I we haven't talked about. But yeah, that ability to the structure of Zoom and muting you and unmuting you and what are those behaviors that you see? Because I do yes. think there's behaviors that are new that yes. come up from online instruction that are not typical of things that you would see in in-person model. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, th that worked today. I was so excited. That's I was cute. Like, you know, I was going to do it today. I'll probably do it anytime, like in my back pocket. I need a little break. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. Aw. I'm just, I'm really in awe. This is such a, an insightful conversation to have with you because I am constantly thinking about how I can support teachers, but I'm also wondering what are teachers thinking during this virtual time and how are they planning and how are they doing this? So this is really insightful. And I think that we can all kind of work to support each other. And I think sharing, like we had mentioned that Seesaw has that Facebook group that shares a lot of um, oh, really so good fabulous. information. I love being a part of those professional groups. And I think mm -hmm. that 
that's another thing that sort of brought a lot of teachers together too. Right. You might not actually be able to meet in the real teacher's lounge, but you're meeting new professionals who have new engaging ideas um, on professional learning sites. And that's helpful right. too. So Yes, absolutely. I just will say that there's a, like a Facebook, Facebook group for science of reading. Oh, it's that's fantastic. Phenomenal. And you just see, and they ask so many questions and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to know. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I agree. I have so many things that are saved on my Facebook yes. page from that. They <laughs> it's a fantastic learning group. The, oh, it's absolutely. the science of reading. So yes. definitely look and into it. I think it. they have the kindergarten science of reading. I, they have a, a, like a brand. Oh, we'll <laughs> you may be special <laughs> invited to that one. I'm going to have to look into it. Yes, that's do. Great. No, that's really great. It's really fantastic. Fantastic. So kudos to you as the oh, thank you. difficult job of 2020 for sure, or in general, but also in 2020 for sure. So yeah, I love so students nice. are so it's, lucky to have you seriously. Oh, I, you know, and their I, parents as well, for sure. I appreciate the compliments. I mean, this was just such an honor for me to talk to uh, two voices of reading um, specialists that I have been listening to um, for, for a while now. So, um, Shannon and Mary, thank you so much for inviting I think you me. know more than us. So we oh, no. thank you. <laughs> um, no, no. If I our listeners want to find, well, can there, is there any way they can reach out to you? I bet some people are going to have some more questions. Oh, sure. Sure. I actually, I, I can share it with you. And I, I don't know if you, you can probably put it on your website. We'll but I do it. have a, a Google sites, um, um, and a Weebly, uh, website that has uh, contact information. So great, great, great. We'll put that on our show notes. And I can yeah, certainly absolutely. share. I know that the community of inquiry research, um, there are articles that people can read to, yes, maybe to dive in further about that. Yeah. Email um, us those and we'll put them on the show notes too. That, that's really interesting. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much. And I do have an article that I'm working to get published. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to share that, that article with you guys as soon as that it's published. Okay. Super. Yeah. We can always add stuff, even if it's after the episode. Oh, we have, people find our episodes all the time and we can just add it to the link. And Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Mm, thank you so much for sharing your time and your this insights with us. This was wonderful. We love interviews. So, um, Everyone, let's uh, just appreciate Maria and all of her hard work. And thank you so much for joining us in the Reading Teachers Lounge tonight. It's so thank great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, send us more of, your, of what's working for you guys um, as listeners, as online, as online teachers as well. Or any questions that kind of pop up, because I think the more we can start to generate these questions in our learning communities, I think the more we can find answers and what is actually working and anecdotal observations, even work yeah. as well so and after this episode airs we'll add um we'll add extra things on our social media where we can all engage and share more ideas thank all you all right thanks so much bye <laughs>